Next on BYUSN with Big 12 Media Days in the rearview mirror, have your perceptions and expectations for BYU in the Big 12 changed at all? And it's an Oklahoma-themed guest day with Coach Brent Venables and quarterback Dylan Gabriel from Big 12 Football Media Day. Oh, it is a loaded show on BYU Sports Nation for this Thursday, July 20th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who I know is ready for more Big 12 football. And frankly, Jerem, we should mention, as always, we're brought to you by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Also, uh, Kyle Collinsworth had a fantastic tweet yesterday, which got us thinking, like, why don't we just tank for something better here to replace us? Well, we've been tanked for a while. Uh, more on that in a moment. Yesterday, Mavs Muse on Twitter posted that the 2017-18 Mavs had the most undrafted players on one team that included Kyle Collinsworth, to which he said, you guys are welcome. We worked hard to get Luka. <laughs> it was worth it. They got the Luka Doncic. He's been amazing. We have been tanking on this show to yeah. try and get Steve Young in yeah. like 2028. Come on, that's Steve. Kind of where, that's kind of where we're at at this point. Steve's available. More on what Steve's up to now coming up <laughs> later in the program. Also, did football media days in the Big 12 change our expectations for the season? You can weigh in on that as well. Is BYU going to be the first newcomer to win the league in football? Who says that? We'll chat with Oklahoma today, as mentioned from media days. And the Women's Hoops Conference matchups are out. We'll tell you who BYU's playing and who's not coming to Provo and why I have a major issue with it. With that said, rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. What's Trending, brought to you by Feastbox, donating 10% of every purchase to Full of Hope, charitable organization feeding hungry families. Jerem, we spent a lot of great time in Dallas at Big 12 Media Days. In fact, it exceeded our expectations. I thought you were going to say eating Feastbox, which is also the case. We also recently did that, and uh, it, was, it was great. At Media Days... I, for a moment, my perceptions changed just a little bit based on conversations I had with BYU opponents. So my question for you today is, and I'll finish my thought in a moment, did talking to all the coaches and players and being around the Big 12 media alter your expectations for what BYU can do or will do in 2023? I certainly felt like BYU belonged. Not only BYU TV, but BYU, right, in that space. Uh, but ultimately, no. Because, again, two unknowns going into the season. One, how are the 21 portal uh, transfers going to fit in? How are they going to elevate BYU? How are they going to ass uh, assimilate into what BYU's been doing, which has been pretty successful the last three seasons with 29 wins? And then the other is, how hard is being in a Power 5 conference? What's it going to like week to week? It look like over 10 games. I don't know the answer to that. So, unlike last year... I'm keeping expectations low, which is, hey, make a bowl game and let's build from there. BYU could certainly be better than that. BYU could be worse than that. Hopefully, BYU at least makes a bowl game. So while those conversations were interesting and fun and informative and enlightening, it didn't really change how I feel about BYU, which is I'm not exactly sure on uh, those two, two things I mentioned. When we finished our conversation with Neil Brown, who was the head coach of West Virginia, and he brought up and was not happy at all, understandably, about the Mountaineers being picked to finish last in the conference. And then he listed off every reason why they should be better than 14th. 
for a moment I thought, holy cow, this conference is a bear. There really are no gimmies. And BYU's got to go to West Virginia in early November and make Long that cross-country trip. Yeah. I have, in my mind, been thinking, that's a very winnable game for BYU. But then I was like, is it? Because based on history, BYU has not performed well in that scenario when you have to travel two time zones, especially if it's an early kickoff. So if Fox or ESPN or ESPN Plus labels that as like a noon kickoff or a 1.30 kickoff. Well, it's probably going to be early because I'm guessing it'll be on ESPN Plus. That's not one of the more enticing matchups in the Big 12 this year. That typically does not bode well for BYU. So again, I thought maybe that's not a, a really good chance for BYU to win. I, I don't know. And so then I started yep. looking at the schedule again, and I was like, man, is six wins going to be tough? Is, is, is it going to be difficult to get to six wins for, for BYU? So I had this probably 10 to 15-minute period so following the interview. So negatively. I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just going to be very, very difficult. Uh, but then I started thinking, okay, Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins, offensive line's really good. Tight end group solid. Isaac Rex is healthy. The wide receiver core is pretty deep. Upgraded overall. It's you deep, lose the superstar right? in Puka. Kept Cody Epps. Yep. Jay Hill is the defensive coordinator. New energy, new staff on that side of the ball. Couldn't be worse, probably. Right. And then I was like, at least that. <laughs> no. I stand by what I said. Yeah. Like the talent and BYU's run through independence, having played so many high-level opponents. Not 10 consecutively in the Power 5 ranks, but they have ramped up. They, it's, it's made them as ready as they could be as an yeah, independent totally. coming from a G5 before that. They're like, the most ready Power 5 included team ever. Because the other teams may have been ready, but they never had the schedules like this is what I mean. Yes. So in BYU, I, they will win six games. I still stick with seven. But after that interview specifically, there was a little bit of a freakout moment where I thought, Holy cow, this, this conference is so tough. You want to go back to Indy? So closely contested. No, I do not. Please, no. <laughs> oh, the Mountain West? The margin of error is so razor thin, mm -hmm. and it goes back to what we were discussing earlier this week with Brett McMurphy when he said to me, I feel like there are seven teams in this conference that could swing from five to seven wins. Like, they're all so close together. Yep. And he has BYU as one of those teams in that group. Yep. And that's, that's fair especially coming from his you know, national perspective. But I, I lean seven to BYU. I'm sticking with it. I, f I had a fleeting moment of doubt. How dare I? It's a normal human <laughs> experience. If but, you don't, I'd question whether you're but a robot. I'm, but I'm back to seven. Six at yeah. worst. Six at worst for this team with this much talent, assuming things have not gone just terribly wrong with injuries. And, and maybe in certain spaces, BYU is better than they were before. Like, it's just hard to imagine that Keaton Slovis could be better than Jaron Hall. You know what I mean? Jaron was really good. Yes. But what if he is? It's hard to imagine that Kingsley Suamataia will be an upgrade at left tackle from fourth-round pick Blake Freeland. But what if he is because he's getting first-round buzz? That means he could be better, right? There's yeah. people who think he'll be better. Yeah. Is there a receiver that will put up more production and be better than Puka Nakua? If some, like if Chase Roberts is healthy all year and Cody Epps, they could have more yards, catches, and touchdowns than Puka, but can they make that play against Boise State? Can they have that game against Boise State, 14 for 150 or whatever? Like, is there that guy? I'm not sure, but like Cody Epps needed last year, he needed an opportunity. Right now, we don't know several elements that are going to happen in mm. the season that we mm. cannot see. 
AJ Vankpachar was unbelievable this year. Like, all kinds of things. Wow, LJ Martin as a freshman came in and rushed for 600 yards. Like, we don't know those answers quite yet. Uh, but I'm Jackson Cravens on the defensive line. Wow, he was the next Kairos Tonga and had three and a half sacks and was a real block eater there because Isaiah Banya and Tyler Batty combined for 12 and a half sacks. Like, we don't know those answers, but I'm excited to see it because I think the overall talent has upgraded. Just specifically, it's hard to be like, this guy better than this guy, this guy better than this guy, therefore BYU will be better. And the schedule's tougher. How many reps does BYU get up on the bar that now has more weight on it? We, we'll see. We'll see uh, this season, <laughs> which we're stoked about. Listen, there's going to be a tough year here and there where BYU's good, but there are injuries, or guess what? The league's just really stinking good. Sometimes it's not all about you. Yeah. It's about you in that environment, and maybe you're not good enough, and you got to elevate in some way. This is the least, to me, this is one of the least talented teams BYU will ever field in the Big 12. What I mean by that is BYU is going to get increasingly better. They will recruit at a higher level. Therefore, we'll look back and go, oh, we thought that was like a good squad walking into the season. Now BYU's getting more four stars on the reg, more three stars. They're not relying on hopefully Tyler Algier goes from linebacker walk-on to superstar running back. While you still could have those, you're bringing in proven guys that, that get to the next level as well. We all hope BYU is like Oklahoma State, who is just always solid, good, never miss a bowl game. Always win six games. I mean, it's been 20-plus years since Oklahoma State was out of Mike the bowl. Mike Gundy's never had a right? losing record. He's never had a losing record. Sorry, never not made a bowl game. But, that, yeah. That's incredible. Yes. And then you want a few years where you're contending. And BYU will get so, to yeah, that. Yeah, we, we all hope that BYU never has to have another losing season ever again. Yes. And, you know, it's been few and far between uh, the last 50, what, four seasons? Four, yeah. And three were consecutively and got a head coach fired here between 2002 and Two on my mission. Like, I felt like that was a blessing for me personally that I missed those, but that's another subject. Yeah, but before that, I mean, Lavelle didn't have a losing season at BYU from 1973 until... 72. Yeah. 72. He didn't, he didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't have a losing season after his second season at BYU. They were four and six. That was it. Last year. That was it. We all hope for that. We all hope for that. Okay, topic two. Fox football analyst Brock Heward uh, said the following about which Big 12 newcomer will win a Big 12 title first. Quote, I think BYU will. I think with the demographics they recruit, the culture, the pieces, instability, I think they're far ahead of Cincinnati. Now, Mm -hmm. Gus Malzahn in Orlando has a lot of speed, a lot of talent, but I'd probably put BYU right there with UCF as far as on the road to that level. Can you improve your reach? Does it open more doors for recruiting? I do think this move to the Big 12 does that. Do you feel the same way? I think this is optimistic. I, I, I mean, if I'm being fully just transparent here. Which we are I, mostly. I was a little surprised to hear Brock Heward say this because I thought people would lean heavily toward UCF. Because Florida talent. Yes. Yeah. Like the, and Flo- Gus. the Florida pipeline with yes. Gus Malzahn. Like, that's enough for me. If I, if I was outside of the BYU bubble, and you're like, okay, you got to pick one of these four teams that's going to win the Big 12 first, you tell me Gus Malzahn and Florida Talent's like UCF. And right, they're the best of the four teams coming into the conference right now. They're, they're ready to They've got compete-ish. All of those yeah. things kind of going in that direction mm-hmm. in their favor right now. So that would probably be my default answer. But I like the idea of BYU being the first hey, of course newcomer to yeah. win a Big 12 championship. I just wonder what kind of a timeline Brock Heward is thinking of. I'd love to know if he thinks in the next five years. That would be my follow-up question. Yeah, okay. It's like, all right, you think BYU is going to be the first to win a Big 12 title. 
what kind of a timeline are you giving BYU to achieve that? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it longer than that? Let's hope it's not. Like, Texas and Oklahoma leave, so that changes things, obviously. But I, I, I think you've said before, like, hey, it took Utah 10 years. I'm going to give BYU 10 years. Yeah, I, let's hope it goes earlier. I, I think BYU Could they gets... do it in five? Could they do it in yeah. five with Texas and Oklahoma gone? I think so. I, I do. Um, I, I would agree that uh, my first pick would probably be UCF yeah. because talent. I think BYU culturally and uh, the, the sort of trajectory of the program right now is sure. really high. We're in, a, we're in a real nice spot uh, coming off of 10, 11, and 8 wins. Yes. And there's some real momentum. Like, yes. BYU's recruiting way better. Think about it. Would BYU have gotten Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins even five years oh, ago? Gosh. No. no, I, no don't, I don't think so. I think no way. The Big no 12 way. obviously helps. But also, Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall have really put BYU back in the quarterback game. BYU's in the left tackle game. Like, where, when does BYU get someone starting left tackle from a – Power five team. <laughs> Caleb Etienne is that guy. Like, and he won't even be the starting left tackle here because BYU has a first round kind of guy who also is a transfer from Oregon. Like the Pukas, the Kingsleys, the Keatons, the Aidens. This is the new era of BYU football. In regards to 10 years, I'm hoping BYU in by year five, we're like, okay, we got a squad that can win it. Like we're walking in this year. We are not talking about the Big 12 title whatsoever. That is that is not a thing we are expecting with this group uh, right away. Okay. But in the next, I think Dave and I talked about it a month or two ago, we'd like to be, BYU to be competitive. Yeah, Meaning yes. like top five, top six, I think, in the next three to five. Because I, I, I think with BYU's brand, BYU's reach, BYU's better recruiting, the really good coaching staff okay. that BYU has, that BYU can do that. Okay. Um, and Utah got interesting early-ish, two of the first three years. They had five and seven records, but they were challenging for the South title there. Um, and, and, and frankly, I wish there were divisions for BYU because then you'd have a shot there. Like Wisconsin having uh, good seasons in the Big Ten but winning their division, they would not have been in the Big Ten title game if there were no divisions because it would have been Ohio State and Michigan dueling it out again. But the Big 12 with no divisions um, after the NCAA rule change sort of changes things where, okay, you have to be like a two-loss team in the regular season to even have a shot there. Um, and if you have a three loss, maybe it's one of those parity years, which could be the case in the Big 12. I'm just excited. I am excited about the unknown. Typically, yes. the unknown sometimes yes. is a place of sort of fear or um, the unknown. Is I, ex- I experienced that after the interview with Neil you, Brown. You felt that sort of like looking out into like, space and be like, how big is this oh place? Oh, my gosh. But it's exciting to be in the Big 12 and figure out those answers, not only for BYU, but the league. And now we just... We lived on uh, 25 yes, yes. acres by ourselves. Now we're in a <laughs> middle-class suburbia neighborhood where we're like, let's get to know the neighbors. And right now, it's very cordial. Hey, BYU moved into a rich neighborhood. It's yeah, okay. Yes, it did. It's okay. We lived in the neighborhood I don't live in in Mapleton. <laughs> it's going it's, <laughs> it's to take a little while, but it, it's okay. And what just like the eureka moment that I had when you were just talking about, you know, competing for a Big 12 title is... Did you say it out loud? I said it mentally. Okay. <laughs> If BYU legitimately is competing for a Big 12 title, Darren, they're in the college football playoff conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, very exciting. You need to go 10-2 and two in the That's regular That's very exciting. Yeah. But to compete for a Big 12 title, you probably have to do that. You might. Yeah. At least. Right? You probably have you to go 10-2. you got to have the greatest year in BYU football history. Oh, isn't 84 that? Oh, man. That team's losing two or three games if they're in this Big 12. Like, it's not – you don't have those games that you were playing that year. That, was, right. a, that was a soft schedule. Our question of the they day. They won all the games, though. 
what we just discussed. After BYU's experience at the Big 12 Media Days and everything that you consumed as a fan and saw, and, and saw on our show for that matter. And still ha- will. Have your expectations changed at all for BYU's first year in Big 12 play? Jeremiah, I always get to read the first response. Let's have you read the first response today. Aaron Murray on Facebook. Uh, I don't think this the was Georgia the quarterback? Georgia quarterback turned uh, TV analyst. Nope, just made me more excited, like arriving at the restaurant and checking out the menu. Yeah. You don't know how that experience is going to go, but you're hoping it goes well. I like that. <laughs> Join Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon for the season premiere of After Further Review coming up next Tuesday at 7 Eastern time as the guys check out the dangerous duo of Puka Nakua and Jaron Hall. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, our interview with the head coach of Oklahoma football, Brent Venables, who said his defense needs to be on an entirely different planet. That's how bad it was last year. Well, how's he going to change that? And what does it mean for BYU? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Beastbox Global Grill, a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. across the middle. It is intercepted. Intercepted. Billy Bowman caught it. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Is this from Tron? I liked that movie when I was younger. And then Tron Legacy? Oklahoma is hoping it's, uh, you know, a... A legacy year where they can go Yeah, yeah, a legacy-type experience this year. Just on a straight line. You just (laughs) got to veer out of there. Well, they were picked to finish third, which is among the topics we discussed with their head coach, Brent Venables, at Big 12 Media Days. And, you know, he was quick to point out that the defense needs a lot of help. Here is our two-on-one with the head coach of Oklahoma, who is staring down Provo on November 18th. Coach, naturally with each new season, there's kind of a reset, a hard reset. And um, Oklahoma picked to finish third. But you, you've got another year under your belt. Like you're, you're a year more experienced than Norman. So why do you feel like after this reset that you're ready to take a step forward? And we pick third. <laughs> That's better than we finished. <laughs> That's a great uh, start. Hey, listen. You know whether it's a, a linebacker group, it's a defense, or it's a football team, it's a staff. You know, every day, every week, every year, you know, is a you know, a season of its own. And regardless of what happened yesterday or last week or last year, good or bad, it's always about what's next. Um, that's a mentality. Uh, that's a mindset. Um, uh, you know, you learn from your past, whether it's good or bad. And, um, you know, t- to me, again, you strip it down to the studs. You start completely over. You know, in this day and age of the way where college football is and roster instability and lots of turnover, this is two years in a row. We've, we've had slightly over, you know, half of our rosters brand new. I think Wild. we have 63 of our uh, 123 players on our roster, scholarship and, and walk-ons are are new. Wow. And, and I believe 70 or 97 of our 123 are either in the first or second year at Oklahoma. And so I think that's exciting, you know, and some people could worry about all the, whether it's Marvin Mims or a a Braden Willis, some of our 
you know, excellent players that we may have lost. And but college football, the cool thing about college football is uh, is the transformation, and it is about you know new opportunity for new players, new team, you know, new mindset. And so for us, we've always I've always believed in stripping it back down to the studs. Rehearse your beliefs. Make sure that everybody has clear vision on you know, your standards, your expectations, your core values, and you build people. I think the greatest calling of coaching is the development of people. And and I love the challenge of that. I love the challenge of, you know, uh, developing leadership and developing, you know, chemistry and, uh, and, and again, getting everybody to have clear vision, you know, on the purpose of our program. And, so it's a tremendous challenge. Again, the, the more turnover there is, the more you gotta, uh, you know, educate, and but there's there's great challenge in that, but there's also great reward in that as well. And when you keep the main thing, the main thing, and uh, you know the byproduct is having a really good football team. Um, but the work it involves you know development of people, mindset, attitude, work ethic, belief, uh, vision, and all of those things that your program you know stands on foundationally. You mentioned. Uh, previously i expect us to be on another planet defensively yeah um where did that interplanetary travel begin <laughs> going into this season well it couldn't get any worse i can promise you uh than what we were a year ago it was a tough tough season and uh but you know where we've where we were and where we're going it's you know we, we a year ago we had no competitive depth whatsoever and you know we started the year pretty strong and then we we, we you know uh, did not finish the the year very well on defense in particular, and and particularly the fourth quarters uh, of games, and you know, guy we didn't have a lot of guys you know rotating and things of that nature. So that was a cumulative effect, you know, mentally, physically, fundamentally, uh, situational awareness. But we're a year more into our systems, you know, scheme, uh, offense, defense. Uh, certainly a year into our strength and conditioning program, a year into our expectations and our standards, our values, our our culture, if you will. Yeah. I don't take that lightly. It's a fancy word that a lot of people throw around, and it's been a, a critical part of, you know, 28 years for me in, in developing uh, good players and good units and being on excellent teams. Uh, I don't you know, you just don't luck up and have success. I, I believe foundationally you got to be on the right thing. You know, one thing to have success, it's another to have sustained success yeah. and sustained longevity. And that's what I've witnessed, you know, uh, at three different schools. And, uh, but, you know, for us defensively, there's a maturation, you know, and an expectation that comes from, you know, the work. Uh, it also comes from learning through failure, you know, and failing our way to, quote, quote unquote, the top. And uh, so we've got a tremendous amount of tape uh, that you know, we've been able to peel back, you know, since January to, to learn from. And, uh, you know, there's not an area that we can't make improvement. I think we led the, the conference in, in, in turnovers last year. But if we just catch the ones they threw right to us, we've been top, <laughs> tops in the country. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we, we, we had 17 interceptions and we dropped eight. And, and uh, we led the conference in – uh, tackles for loss, whatever that means. That's disruption. That's aggressiveness. And, uh, but we didn't do it enough. And, and then, and after that, man, there's not a whole lot we can hang our hat on. So we got a, uh, you know, a million things that we got to get better at that I've seen. I trust my eyes, you know, watched us mature and improve and develop and 
like I said, it's a developmental game. The more you play, the more you practice, the more you watch tape, uh, the more you strain, the better you get. And uh, we've, we've helped ourselves on defense. You know, we've got eight transfers. And uh, I'm sorry, nine transfers on defense. We've six guys up front that I feel like have, have made us better. And we two quote-unquote All-American linebackers uh, in Desan McCullough and Connor Neer and then a fantastic hard-hitting safety in Reggie Pearson uh, from Texas Tech. All those guys, we'll see where everybody lines up when we start the season, but I feel like all all nine of those guys on defense are going to make us better. And then, most importantly, the improvement of the players that are returning, if that's Billy Bowman, if that's Keyshawn Lawrence, uh, you know, if that's Robert Spears Jr., um, if that's Danny Stutzman, you know, who led the conference in tackles last year, if that's Woody Washington, who will be a three-year starter now, you know, those guys are a much better version of themselves. Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, you know, Isaiah Coe, uh, Jordan Kelly, you know, uh, Marcus Stripling. You know, a year ago we, we played in our rotation, our Mason Thomas. Well, he's a true freshman, you know, that – just got out of high school, and so where he is today to where he was a year ago, he's yeah. he's he's an example of, and that's no different than any other team or program or unit. You know, freshman year to your sophomore year, there should be this tremendous jump. Year one to year two, should you would expect this tremendous jump. Game one to game two, there's this tremendous jump because of what you learn and your comfort level and things of that nature. So, uh, got you know again, it can't ever happen fast enough uh, for us as a coaching staff. Uh, the improvement, you know, process. It can be di- really discouraging at times, but um, I trust my eyes uh, where we're at right now. You know, Danny Stutzman's here with us today, one of our guys, and you know, the player-led wa- uh, walkthroughs. You know, he couldn't he couldn't run it. You know, nobody could run it last year at this time, and and so where they're at right now, what they're doing on their own is completely different. You know, they they weren't equipped at being able to do that a year ago at this time, and so. You know, the the empowerment process and the, the equipment process is, is a real thing. The head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, Brett Venables, is on BYU Sports Nation. You have the Cougars on November 18th mm-hmm. in Provo. What's your perception of BYU football as they enter the Big 12? Well, November 18th in, in Provo, um, it's going to be probably 75 or so, right? <laughs> we wish. We'll wear our polos to the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll push the furnace uh, a little higher. We'll crank you know, it up, crank up the night. heat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love what Coach has always done, what he's been about. He's a culture guy. Um, his his teams play with you know uh, toughness and attitude and uh, physicality. Uh, disciplined football teams is what he's known for, and uh, you know the. the the BYU uh, teams typically are uh, older and mature and, uh, you know, both physically and mentally, and, and you're going to have to earn it. If you're going to have a chance to be competitive, a chance to win the game, and you're going to have to earn it, they're not going to give you anything. And uh, you're going to have to line up and beat them man for man, which is a tremendous challenge. So uh, it's, a, it's a place that I know is going to be – there's not going to be an empty seat in the house, and uh, they're going to – the fans there um, are incredibly passionate, very similar to what Norman's like. And, uh, uh, you know, you're going to have to go on the road and have a, a, a whole different kind of mentality uh, to, to have a chance to go and compete at a high level at a place like, you know, Provo in late November. So hopefully by then, you know, we've made tremendous improvement sure. and we've grown and developed. And wherever we're at in September is going to look a lot different than where we're at, you know, uh, in November you know, to be ready for that challenge. And real quick, do you have a good get-back guy at OU? (laughs) 
Um, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> you, you're looking? Hey, the fun, the fun thing is, is is nobody tells me to get off the field uh, but the officials. They've done that you know, my whole career. It's a little different. Yeah, nobody's, you know, uh, maybe I should empower somebody uh, to keep me out of harm's way. Coach, it's been great to talk to you. And you mentioned competitive depth. Um, you just went through a long list. It, it feels like you're in the headed in the right direction. And again, you were picked to finish third. So hey, hey there you go. Thanks for looking up, Norman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. A very engaging personality, Brent Venables. Third's not good enough for Oklahoma, though. Like th- this is a team that wins the league and goes to the playoff. Uh, you know, they have four times the last like seven years. They are so good, but last year was a step back. We'll see if they can uh, uh, take a step forward. Yeah, what does their fan base view as, like, acceptable for the final year of the Big Being 12? Being in the Big 12 title game? Making Maybe. Making your sixth bowl? Like, that's the standard there. Not, can you – like, would you have wanted to be on the 1986 BYU football team? No. In hindsight? Like, what you had done in 83, 84, 85? Like, all amazing seasons? When 10-3 and three was a disappointment in 1985? Yes. Oh, you lost three games? You stink. <laughs> Like, what? No, you don't. That's a good season. So, there you go. You guys blew the 25-game win streak. What the heck, man? Yeah, man. You tip. If you miss any interviews, Deep Blue shows, games, conversations from Big 12 Football Media Days, you can find them on BYUSN.com or download the free BYU TV app. Up next, a first look at the new BYU Women's Basketball Conference schedule. Which teams are headed to the Marriott Center? I got a problem with one, Ben. I got a problem. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure to follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. The show rolls on in Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's get to today's headlines. Women's Basketball Conference matchups are out. Cougars play 18 conference games, five pairs, one-offs. Okay. The home and road games are with Cincinnati, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, and TCU. The home only are Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. The road only are Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas, and UCF. Texas on the road only. No Shaley Gonzalez to Provo game. Ah. And now in football, women's volleyball, women's soccer, and women's basketball, Texas is not coming to Provo in any of those four. What is up with that? That's unfortunate. That's disappointing. Why no Texas in Provo in any of those sports? If men's hoops has no Texas in Provo, I got a real issue. I got an issue right now. Why is none of those sports, why are none of those sports coming to Provo? That said, Oklahoma and Baylor having to play in Provo and BYU not having to play at Oklahoma or at Baylor. That is nice. It's really nice. BYU played Oklahoma at home last year. And And Baylor's off. Had them on the ropes. There's a better BYU women's basketball team. We'll see what happens the second go around. Offensive lineman Kingsley Suomataia of BYU football, named to the pro football focus All-Big 12 first team. He was also recently named to the All-Big 12 preseason first team. Kingsley has been projected as a first-round draft pick in 2024 by multiple national entities, including ESPN and Fox Sports, everywhere from 9th to 28th, so you decide. Cody Epps, wide receiver, made the second team. Connor Pay, Tyler Batty, and Ben Bywater on the pro football focus All-Big 12 third team. Colorado Chancellor Phil DiStefano told the Denver Post the Pac-12 new media partners will be presented to the league's chancellors and presidents today by Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov. DiStefano also said at this point the league is staying together and the goal is to stay in the league. The media day is tomorrow in Vegas. Those are today's headlines. Let's opinionate in the whip. 
Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Sports Illustrated reports Steve Young is going to be an assistant coach for his daughter's high school flag football team. Oh. Is this the next natural normal step in Steve's career? Yes, family time. He, he is a huge family guy. I mean, the last interview we did with him, he pulled over to the side of the road and he was in carpool in his minivan. Yeah, he's got a venture capitalism company. <laughs> he was doing ESPN, obviously was let go there. Uh, this is like go, the bishop being released and then he's in the primary. That's the equivalent. Okay. You go from Monday Night Countdown to coaching. Like, that's awesome. But like you can, cool. you can have fun. It's your family. It's That's great. Hey, you know a network that's family friendly that could benefit Steve at some point if he decides he wants to do more television? BYU TV and BYU Sports Nation. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we're going to shell it out? Let's, let's go. Uh, let's see what we can do, though. Let's go. ESPN's latest fantasy football rankings have Jamal Williams number 39 in the running backs list. 39th best running back? Does this surprise you? Yeah, given that he led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year. Um, is he the number one on the on the Saints? No, that would be Alvin Kamara, but he's certainly in contention for number two right there. So I, I would think he'd be in the top 20, 25 uh, at least, if if not kind of late teens. Yes, and that would suggest that he could go to a number of NFL teams and be the number one guy, which I think he could absolutely do right now if given the opportunity. Like Jamal Williams can be a number one back in the right system if he's given that opportunity. Right now, he's the number two behind Kamara, and that's fine, but 39, too low. I'd probably put him somewhere between 25 and 30. Colts just dropped their alternate uniform for the upcoming season. Twitter says they look like BYU. They do. Uh, Blake Freeland's going to wake up and be like, am I still wearing BYU uniforms? What do you think? I'm okay with the helmet. I think the helmet's kind of cool. The black and then the blue, uh, what is that called? The uh, Colts blue? No, no, no. No, like, is it the horseshoe? Yeah, the horseshoe? Yes, the horseshoe. Technically, mm -hmm. yes. I like the blue horseshoe. But I'm not a fan of the uniforms overall. The, it's too generic. But the the striping makes it look like BYU. It, makes it, it of, does make it look like a lot BYU. Non-BYU fans saying this is BYU, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. So I, I don't know. Tough. It's, the Colts are, are they're feeling the heat right kind now. Kind of the opposite of the Seahawks throwback that came out yesterday, which looks amazing. Looks amazing. Maybe we buried the lead here, Jerem. We did. The University of Cincinnati has announced the kickoff time for their matchup against Pitt. Yep. As well as television information. Guess who is broadcasting that game? The CW. I love the arrow in the flesh. Here is the official BYU Sports Nation statement on the matter. We in Studio B would like to be the first to say that the CW is a fine, respect respectable broadcasting entity and that any athletic conference associated with the CW should be excited to broadcast over those airwaves. End statement. <laughs> I think you said it well. Good luck to the Pac-12 on their TV. Can't wait to watch Gilmore Girls after Pitt and Cincinnati play. That's kind of a good doubleheader right there. <laughs> Tomorrow is our final Friday special, a.k.a. final Friday off with the 2001 Football Reviewable Show. So we look back in one of the most intriguing, exhilarating, disappointing finishes to a BYU season ever tomorrow noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Still on the way, our conversation with Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Yes, that Dylan Gabriel who used to play at UCF. Viva Boca Raton. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. Noah? This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU Sports Nation, still live. 
and still in Studio B. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Our Oklahoma guest lineup continues from Big 12 Media Days. Oklahoma, where the... <laughs> and we had yet to do that till now. It's, it's about time. Someone had to do it. It's about time. <laughs> Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback. Yeah, he's the guy that used to quarterback at UCF. BYU matched up with Dylan in the Boca Raton Bowl in a convincing bowl game win for Zach Wilson and the Cougars. But now he's quarterbacking a team that has one of the greatest quarterback legacies in all of college football. How does he feel about it? He answers that and much more in our conversation with Dylan Gabriel. Dylan, here we are, home of the Cowboys. It's Big 12 media day. You are the quarterback at Oklahoma. When that first became a reality, when you told yourself, I'm the quarterback at Oklahoma, what what type of emotions and experience was that like? Um, It it was a a very fast process, you know, just – through that whole transfer portal deal. But, uh, you know, just as it happened and, you know, just God, you know, guiding me down this path, it was very clear to me uh, it, it's happening. And, and it was something I'm really excited about. So uh, just after this year and then going into this year, man, it's it's something that, you know, I hold with a lot of responsibility. But uh, I signed up for it and I love it. Certainly it was a transition year for you, for Oklahoma with uh, Coach Venables from Clemson. What are you excited about in 2023 as you guys try and take a step forward? Um, I think just year two in the system um, in general for everyone and all the people just, you know, being super confident in what we're doing, not only day to day, but just in uh, having a season under our belt altogether. So um, just with that confidence and um, just being super excited to suit it up again, uh, you know, we're, we're eager to get on the field and, and that's something, you know, we've been we've been just pushing throughout the season emotionally and kind of holistically how is how is this season sort of unique knowing hey we're going to a different league next year but this year we'd like to finish strong yeah i think that's you know gonna happen and and talk's gonna obviously it's it's happening the sec's coming but i'm just staying true to you know controlling what we can control and and that's being where our feet are and, and it's being in the present so just focus on that and uh you know we'll let the rest take care of itself Oklahoma has been so elite for so long that just seeing the Sooners atop the conference just kind of feels like the normal thing. It was not the case last year. Picked to finish third this year. So how do you utilize that as a motivator, if, if at all? Some players choose to ignore, but how do you view that? I think it's just a, a learning process, obviously, from last year. But, you know, going into this season, uh, it's – it's going to be what, what we, you know, end up proving and doing uh, at the end of the day. You know, a lot of people can talk, and, you know, there's a lot of preseason, you know, players, All-Americans, uh, rankings, but the truth is, you know, when that when that time comes on the first game, and, you know, you got to go and prove it. So just, just staying true to that, uh, proving ourselves by our actions, not necessarily our, our words. How would you describe your journey as a kid from Hawaii and then UCF, which we saw you in the 2020 Boca Raton Bowl? Yep. Um, that was a fun quarterback matchup with Zach Wilson that day yep. in a mostly empty stadium. I wish we could have had a, more people for that big matchup. But yep. um, And now you're at OU. How would you describe this journey of yours? Um, it's It's been unique. Um, you know, obviously just trusting God's plan for me and uh, just what he's got planned out for me is, is something that I, I've been staying true to because, I mean, if, if there's one thing I learned, you can think of one way it's going to happen, and it'll, it'll be a totally different one. So um, just staying true to that and uh, trusting God because, man, uh, it's been a journey, and, and I love it. How would you explain the atmosphere and the vibe around Oklahoma football right now in mid-July? Focused, um, 
very eager, obviously, to play, but um, just super excited. And I, I say that because uh, just this whole offseason from January, you know, everyone's been, been very competitive, and I think you need that um, just in general because that, that's what makes each other better. And um, just having that competitive nature uh, every day, obviously with Schmitty in the workouts, it's been, it's been really good for us. There's such a great tradition at Oklahoma of, of quarterback play. What's it like to be the OU quarterback? What are some of the, the benefits of being the starting quarterback in Norman? Um, I would just say there's a, there's a lot of lot eyes on Oklahoma, and it, it's because of you know the history and how you know well the guys before us have been able to play. So um, that's that's what you want. You want to play in the big environments, in the big games, and in the most crucial you know moments. So um, for me, that's that's the best thing about it. Uh, being able to, you know, be in those type of environments because not a lot of people get to be in it. How are you a different quarterback right now than you were, let's say, when you played BYU at UCF in the Boca Raton Bowl? Just maturity, you know, experience. I think, uh, you know, as as you get older, you know, you learn a lot. And uh, um, just through all those experiences, you know, I've won in a bunch of different ways and I've lost in a bunch of different ways. But just taking uh, every, you know, experience that I've had and, and using it to my advantage um, has been something that, you know, I think has stuck with me all the way to, to up to now. You guys are jump man, right? We are. Do you have sick gear? Do you have like we good, do. Do you have good kicks? <laughs> we do. Uh, I, I don't complain about the gear, man. We uh, we get a, a lot of it um, and very consistently. So, and it's really nice. Yeah. Um, do you guys get to ride in Boomer sooner ever, or you just see it in the distance? Funny, funny thing you ask. Uh, I've I've seen it in the distance. I've seen it up close. I have connections with the people who have, you know, who take care of Boomer and Sooner and the White. Dylan, you're the starting quarterback. You can go in Boomer. <laughs> so <laughs> I, hope, I hope one day, you know, obviously I can uh, either, you know, see it even closer or sit on or whatever it is. So That, fe- that feels like a must. <laughs> I feel like this needs to, to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Dylan, you've been uh, outspoken in the past at times about how faith factors into your approach to football mm-hmm. and family. So how do you balance that? Because you are uh, a guy that's, that's driven by faith mm-hmm. in a sport that sometimes that, that can get lost in really easily. Yep. No, that's, that's 100% true. Um, I think because of how competitive, how physical, and how aggressive the game is, um, <laughs> sometimes you can you know lose that in, in the heat of the, the moment. But... Um, just for me and, and my decisions and who I am as a person, you know, I've always put, you know, my faith and my family, you know, at the forefront of that. So um, that's just who I am, something that I'm passionate about, and it's it's why I ultimately do what I do. It's fun in this conference. I feel like there are more players and coaches who embrace that, um, and BYU, BYU obviously about that as well. Yep. Do Hawaiian guys know the other Hawaiian guys on the other team? Because cause Kalani Satake is a lot yeah boy. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I think just being from Hawaii – there being a lot of, you know, Polynesian descent, um, I I keep, you know, just in touch with a lot of Hawaii boys, but also uh, just watch when I see a lot of Hawaii boys doing doing very well. Likewise, in the Polynesian community. So um, with that, that's that's what I do. I mean, whenever I see that or I'm playing against him, I'm, I'm obviously aware of it. I bet Kalani, if he didn't already in 2020, he's going to come up to you and talk about For Hawaii, sure. Man. No, for sure. For sure. All right, we'll finish with this. You've got a unique perspective on BYU because you have played against the Cougars, yep. and you know that they have a lot of Polynesian ties there. But for those that don't know anything about BYU, if you were to tell another team or a coach in the Big 12 about BYU, what's the perception of the Cougars as they enter the Big 12? 
Yeah, very very physical. Obviously, uh, big dudes, you know, who can play a really high level of football, um, but also just a, a united team, united front, which I think is super special just in football. Um, and that's why college football is ultimately, you know, a great sport. You know, just the the camaraderie, um, the teams like that. And I think BYU embodies, you know, that that type of thing um, when it when it comes to like schools like BYU, you know, Army and Navy, that sort of thing. Um, I think it's they're they're all in the same family. What emotions come to mind when you think about October 21st and playing UCF? Um, I, I'm excited for it. I knew it. You know, <laughs> we started, but I knew there, those questions would come. I think. Uh, just in general, you know, uh, because of, of transferring, I think it'll be a, a fun game and super excited to yeah, obviously uh, play, play in that one. Dylan, thanks for some time uh, on BYU Sports Nation. Man, we wish you the best, sure. of yeah, luck. best of luck. Thank you, guys. All right, November 18th. If you don't already have it marked on your calendar, Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma. Big, big time. Visit BYU on senior tonight. That's going to be fun. And, uh, okay, so some clarification on a question I asked. I, like, have you ridden in Boomer Sooner? Boomer and Sooner are the ponies who pull the Sooner schooner. Yes. So that, I have, I've learned about that. Regarding Dylan Gabriel, I would say he had a good season last year. Um, he threw for 25 touchdowns, six picks, uh, 31, 68 yards, 63% completion. But at Oklahoma, they expect even more. They expect almost 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. And five picks or something. That's like what they're picks. used to. They, yes. So, um, but it wasn't Dylan's fault. They weren't good last year. No, the defense that was defense terrible. was terrible. Okay, so Oklahoma and Kansas were similar in that they had good offenses. They they produced multiple NFL draft picks uh, on that offensive line. They always have great skill positions, yes. especially receivers. Oklahoma is a, a juggernaut on offense. On defense, they took a massive step back, which was weird because Brent Venables was this amazing defensive coordinator at Clemson where he had some of the best defenses in the country. He is a so legitimate, that is the next step for them. Yes, he is, a, he is a legitimate defensive genius. He has earned that for what he did at Clemson. And I know he had amazing players, but guess what? You recruited those players. You're to be credited. You think he can recruit those to Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be able to do that, to bring them to Norman. Um, but <laughs> you're talking about Boomer and Sooner. And unfortunately, a few years back, Things went terribly wrong for the Sooner Schooner coming oh, out of the tunnel. That looked like someone could have got hurt. Seriously, and thankfully Jeez. nobody really did. Like, there was no significant Some injury. emotional damage. But my gosh. But last year, every time Oklahoma would play midseason to late season when their defense was just getting torched, like, Oklahoma fans are just like, Oklahoma's defense right now. And they would tweet out this <laughs> gif tweet of the Sooner <laughs> Schooner just eating it. eating it, being destroyed. Shoot. I'm like, oh, man, those are Oklahoma uh, fans uh, that are tweeting. That's how bad well, it was on defense. Well, Spence, there's a certain Cosmo gift that gets used true. as well. <laughs> a few. When things don't go well. Okay, uh, after further, we're going to move on now. After further review returns with a brand new season, join Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon as they go over the best plays from BYU Football Week to Week starting next Tuesday, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV. Up next, a rise and shout out to a man who has a plan to take over the world with BYU Blue. He's infiltrating the enemies. This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Our question of the day, did Big 12 football media days 
in any way change your expectations for the upcoming and inaugural season for BYU in the Big 12. Nate Crowley on Twitter says yes, but not specifically for BYU's football season, but for the conference overall. My expectations continue to be raised by Brett Yormark and how innovative and forward-thinking he is in Brett Yormark we trust. Yeah, I'm excited about the future of the league. It's not just in BYU being in a league. It's like in a dynamic league that is seeking how it can best be positioned to be the most creative league, and then in football, try to be number three in that TV contract. Yeah. It's not going to pass the SEC and Big Ten. You, you, listen, we're just trying to get on the podium at the Olympics. We're not, the, trying to, we're not trying to actually win the race. It's not going to be one. And how, how Usain much, Bolt's over there. We're just trying to get on the podium. How much does Big 12 basketball, even that conversation for strength of conference overall, I wonder? Well, financially, no. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Gerald Nichols on Instagram who says, honestly, no, I feel like the ceiling is still the roof. Thank you, Michael Jordan. JK, but for real, six wins is the goal. Anything yeah. above that would be awesome. If anything, media days just made it all the harder to wait to see the Cougars play ball. I know, it feels like it's around the corner. Uh, it is, but in like 12 days we'll have fall camp beginning. But then we have to wait like a month. Six weeks from the first game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 40, so we're 44 days now today. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Are you ready for summer to be over? No. I have more <laughs> vacation than I'd like to take. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. So Shane Reese, who happens to be in my stake is why I love Shane, uh, is the president of Brigham Young University. He <laughs> visited the University of Utah and President Taylor Randall. They took a photo like to point out that President Randall's wearing a blue shirt. Just, uh, yeah, we would never wear a red shirt, but they're wearing a blue shirt. I think shirt, that so, red tie uh, was a late addition, Jeremy. Okay. I think that red tie was a late addition to the picture. They're talking. They're friendly. It's great. it's great. Our thanks to today's guests, Brett Venables and Dylan Gabriel. It was an Oklahoma show. As, far as, the, as far as the guests are concerned. Who beat Oklahoma. Yes, he did. Yeah. An Oklahoma show. Uh, I credit Max more than does. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Todd Marriott. We'll see you tomorrow back around BYU Sports Nation for another special. Go Cougs!